Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Grace Story Podcast. Thank you for joining us on this episode. We're going back to scrupulosity, uh, that million-dollar word there, and uh, we'll tell you a little bit more about that in a second. But before we jump in, whatever platform you're joining the conversation from today, uh, we'd love for you to subscribe, download, follow, uh, leave a five-star rating and a review. It helps so much in spreading this podcast and all the content we share here out to others. And if you are listening and you like this episode or you think somebody out there should listen to this episode, go ahead and send it to somebody. The number one way that podcasts spread and uh, get to new people is through word of mouth. So go ahead and share Grace Story Podcast with someone uh, that you care about today, and we'd love that. Um, now, scrupulosity, we did cover a lot of what we're going to talk about today in episode 80. It's titled, What is Scrupulosity? So uh, there you go. Uh, but we talked about what scrupulosity is. Um, we talked about some of the triggers for it. We actually talked about what a trigger is because, uh, you know, that's a word that's sometimes misused or mishandled. Uh, but what true triggering might be, what you might do with that. Amber shares a lot about uh, her story through that. Um, and Ryan gives a lot of sage advice uh, throughout that episode as well. So if you want to, uh, you know, find out what we're talking about as we jump into this episode right from the get-go, um, go back to episode 80, What is Scrupulosity? Listen to that and then come back to this episode here and jump right in. Uh, now, I do want to bring in our guest. It's uh, some of Grace Story Podcast's favorites. It's Ryan Waters, our content strategy director here at Grace Story, and Amber Jones, the president and founder of Grace Story Ministries. Guys, welcome back to the show. Great Thank you so here. much. Yeah. All right. So we didn't get to some of the listener questions, and I know some of y'all listening out in, in the Ethernet or whatever you call it are going to get a little whiplash if you didn't listen to the first episode. A um, little whiplash, but we're going to jump right in with some listener questions. Um, and one of them, it's a little bit long, uh, but I think it's a good question. It's kind of one of those where they, they weave in like six questions and you're like, okay, well, let's start with subpoint B. But it's really, really good. Um, so I'm going to read that, and then we're going to jump in with some some answers from Ryan and Amber. Uh, and here's the question from the listener. So I have a question about scrupulosity. The sense of anxiety leads to strive harder for obedience, thinking this is what brings us closeness with God. Since closeness is not earned, this just leads to more anxiety, which leads to, stri to us striving all the more, and the cycle begins. At least this is my understanding of scrupulosity. So as one is learning to manage scrupulosity, and I, and I love that as you understand it, as, as one is learning to manage scrupulosity, should they stop observing some moral laws they believe would be sinful to violate or perhaps deal with more manageable sins or more critical, destructive sins while waiting to address others? It sounds odd to say not to worry about sin for a while so you can learn to feel safe. Then, once a sense of safety is felt, begin exploring your behaviors to find God may be wanting to help you with. But maybe that's exactly what we need. I don't think this violates Romans chapter 6, verse 2 because the goal is still to eliminate sin. We just may need to find a place of safety first, to experience grace first. And I understand as I'm reading through that, that uh, for those that may listen to this podcast, this episode, just to find critique and may, to find um, 
the reasons why, you know, they, they shouldn't be listening or others shouldn't be listening, that can be a quagmire. Um, because I don't want anybody, and I will say this before anybody responds, I don't want anybody out there to think for a minute that Grace Story Ministries or any of those involved thinks that sin is not a big deal. It's very clear in scripture that sin is a big deal. Um, we're talking about this and we're talking about this with nuance and we're trying to do this with uh, a, a sense of what the Holy Spirit would say to a genuine question from someone uh, who wants to know about it. And we're going to parse this out as best as possible um, from what they have asked. So let it not be said that there's like, we're flippantly like, hey, yeah, you know, pick your sins, pick your sins. It's it's a new world. No, no, we're not about that at all. <clears throat> So with that caveat and what other, uh, whatever other caveats you need to throw in, because I don't know what others are thinking. I always try to do that critical, you know, uh, uh, thinking of what people might say of what we're going to, please send the emails. We'd love to clarify. If you have a question, send it <laughs> Nate at greatstoryministries.com. We'll throw it in there. Um, but this is a question somebody asked and there's a lot there. So I guess I'll throw it over to Ryan first. And I understand there's different parts of that. And a lot of it kind of sounds like, hey, as you're overwhelmed by all the sins you may or may not have committed from the beginning of your life, including birth to now, how do you triage the sins that you manage first? And then like, what does that look like? And a lot of it sounds like you're trying to deal with sin yourself, but that is exactly what's happening. You're sucked into the parade that you mentioned in the previous yeah. episode, and you now are a part of the thought pattern. And you're trying to get back to the sidewalk just to watch the parade in a healthy way. Uh, so, Ryan, wherever you'd like to jump in on on that uh, that question, um, let's go. Here we go. Yeah, there are a couple of ways that I want to look at that through. And I'm, I'm not sure I'll be able to answer concisely at least the entirety of the, of the question, but I'll at least take a take a stab at it. The first lens I'll look at it through is kind of the mental health perspective which it's important to keep in mind here when we're talking about even answering this question, we're primarily focused on a niche part of this conversation, which is scrupulosity. Scrupulosity, as you remember from episode one, is a subset of obsessive compulsive disorder. So someone who's wrestling with this is wrestling with a lot of fears around sins they may have committed that in the reality of it are fairly disconnected from reality. Mm. It's a, a mental health concern. So we're not talking about someone out there who is rampantly going out and throwing all moral uh, adherences to the wind and just living life as they, as they want. This is typically the person who is hyper-conscientious, who is doing the very best they can and who lives sometimes paralyzed with fear that maybe they aren't doing enough. So we're not out there talking about the, the flippant moral person. Um, I heard recently uh, from someone who works a lot with scrupulosity about something called the 85% rule, which is the principle that if 85% of the people within your faith community are able to engage in this behavior without some kind of negative emotional or psychological outcome, then that probably means it's safe for you to do too. 
And so if someone's wrestling with, man, should I, did I commit this, this sin? Should I put this aside? Um, obviously scripture has to be a part of that conversation. Back to your caveat, Nate, we're not throwing scripture out here, but we're saying within your faith community, if 85% of the people are able to engage in this uh, situation, then we'll probably need to look at, is there scrupulosity going on here that's hindering your ability to engage in normal life? And then let's look at, uh, we'll get into this a little bit later, but what does acceptance and commitment therapy have to say to this situation? What does um, exposure response therapy, how can that be come into play here? So that's looking at this from the, the mental health lens. Let's switch over to the theological lens for just a second. So uh, this, again, could open up a pretty big quagmire here on what the definition of sin is and then what atonement is. And uh, for the sake of time, I'm just going to give my perspective of this. And uh, this is open for discussion by, by all means, but this is just how I make sense of it. So a passage of scripture that's really impacted my life personally is 1 John 1, 7, which says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. And in the Greek, the word for cleanse is present active indicative, which means it's ongoing, continuing activity. So as long as I am doing what's within my power to walk in the light that God sheds in my pathway, and there's a relaxed obedience, I think, implied in that, mm-hmm. then I can trust that he has the ability to cleanse whatever in my life is not pleasing to him. And that is atoned for on the cross. That's not something I have to earn. That's already been done. And it will be automatically, I'll use the term applied to my account, uh, as I continue to stay in relaxed obedience with Christ as my father. That, that phrase right there, I love. Me Relaxed too. I love obedience. that. Because it makes me think about, <clears throat> you, you think about a kid in a, a relationship with a parent where it is uh, not predictable and mm-hmm. they never know when the other, uh, uh, you know, foot's going to drop, shoe's going to drop, whatever's going to drop. Forget the phrase. But they're, you know, like they're constant, they're hyper alert. They are taking in all the information everywhere and bringing, mm-hmm. surveying their environment to try to please that authority figure because they don't know when lightning's going to strike. But if there's a healthy relationship where both the, both parents hopefully are emotionally intelligent and are regulating their own emotions as they uh, raise up, as they're growing and becoming a functional adult selves, raising their kids to do the same, that's relaxed obedience where if dad says, Hey, come over here. It's not like I'm screwed. No, it's like I I wonder what Dad wants. I don't know. I'll mm-hmm. go over and find out. It could be good. Could be I don't know. But I'm obeying without fear immediately. I'm obeying. Mm-hmm. It's relaxed obedience. That what an awesome phrase. I love it. Yeah, I, I love that. Before I take credit for it, I'm pretty sure I got it from Dallas Willard. <laughs> I could be wrong on that. <laughs> go look up Dallas Willard. You will not be disappointed. <laughs> oh, he has lots of great stuff. Yeah. Lots yeah. of great stuff. So back to the question on that, though, I think that does address a lot of it. But uh, Amber, let me give you this hard part of um, excellent <laughs> man, the managing of sins there. And we've already established that you you 
should, um, you know, obviously take sin seriously. Um, what maybe from your personal experience, cause we understand we're not speaking from a pastoral role. Let me put that caveat in there too. We are not speaking from a pastoral role here. We understand that there is authority structures in place from the Bible. I, I'll, you know, the caveat, so I'm not going to go it. send me the email. I'll send you an email back. Um, but with Amber, maybe from your personal experience, um, what, what, what would you say to this question as far as the letting some sins wait and then, you know, you're, you're addressing others and how do you not worry about sin? It's asking, sounds odd to say, not worry about sin while you're still learning how to feel safe. And how would you address that with getting into a safe relationship with a heavenly father when you just think he's going to beat you over the head with the last sin you committed? Yeah, I think that that is where we come with um, understanding that faith is what we believe. Um, This is from Dr. Ted Weitzig of the National OCD Foundation. And he says, my faith is what I believe, not what I feel. And so I I think that that's probably where we want to start is understanding that OCD is not us. So we're, we talked about this last time. This is this is something where we're going to give it its own name rather than taking it on as an identity. And when we can identify those times where that's an OCD thing, this is an OCD mm-hmm. fear. This is something that is um, probably not in that 85% of people that struggle with this, but it can really feel isolating. Like we are the only one with some of these um, shocking thoughts that go through our head, the the temptations as we would label them in a spiritual community, but are they temptations or are they thoughts? Like so, just trying to get the story straight on this thought that's going through our head is one part of it. Another, and we're going to talk about this a little bit, is is the the desire to have reassurances from outside of ourselves often. Instead of digging into the word, finding those promises, finding those um, what would be called coping statements, things that we can talk about for ourselves, things that we can, truths we can speak into our own mind um, that are from scripture that can say, well, I, there may be, you know, maybe that was a lie. I'm not sure. That was not an intentional sin, right? And I love the story that I heard um, if you do, I mean, there's so much, so much on this. If you go onto YouTube, I recommend watching the ones from licensed counselors because that's where you're going to get not just opinion or not just experience, but um, get some actual good help. So, but one of them was, you know, the difference between stealing a candy bar and taking a second sample as you go through, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so that's just a fun way to, to kind of delineate the two where the normal person goes to Sam's club on Saturday on purpose because that's the day all the samples are out and you can be like, Hmm, wow, little sausages. Huh? I'd mm. love to, you know, are you lying because you're acting with interest that you would like to maybe pursue the thought of buying this little sausage? I'm just actually hungry and I have four kids, right? Or <laughs> um, are you actually like sneaking things into your purse? Now, there's a totally different, th- this is a totally different thing here, okay? So we can say that, but someone with OCD, and I have two kids that have this struggle 
with different ways that that is exhibited. I don't know exactly the right word to say, but they exhibit it in a different way. One is very much around the religious, did I lie? Was, you know, if, if I say no screen time till your schoolwork is done and he happens to glance at a screen on the way by and he'll say, mom, is that, you know, I, I don't have my schoolwork done. Is that okay? I'm really sorry. That's not what we're talking about here. Right. We're talking about you initiating, sitting down for a half hour and doing Facebook marketplace to try to find your next ATV deal. That's what you can't do till you're done with schoolwork. But there comes a point where, and this is a daily thing for us um, between the two, where I say, is that an OCD thing? Asking the question, is that OCD asking the question, or is that you asking the question? And that puts it back in their court. And Ryan would probably have a lot more professional advice about the whole reassurances topic. But just from a practical point, we live this out and it's daily. So my son doesn't have to go to bed thinking I've sinned because I glanced at that screen and it gets locked in in this thought stuck pattern. Um, I'm not going to fully reassure, but I can remind him, mm, I think that's an OCD thing. What do you think about that? Well, I, I do think as I'm listening to you on that, one of the observations that I have, even in this uh, question as well, is understanding what is a sin. And I'm going to uh, make up that, that this individual understands what sin is and, you know, murder. Yeah, don't do that. If you did it, you know, this, that let's triage that one first, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> lying. Do you know, but even, well, let's take lying. Did I lie? I don't know. Was it a myth? Because it reminds me of the, the I, I heard a story from a preacher once who he was going through an illustration about a cat. Uh, the cat was not the point of the story. The cat was a part of the story. And in the sermon, he kept coming back to, uh, you know, I had said that that was a white cat. I believe it was an orange cat. And I want to make sure we're say, saying the truth here. And then he moved on and then it came back again. And it's like, you know, it may have been a black cat in full disclosure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, it's not a lie. Yeah. It's, so my point is with this, some of what uh, the reality of, of what the, the truth, rather, of what is a sin may come into play here as well. And if you yeah. find yourself in the middle of this question saying, I may need to triage all of the sins that I think I've committed and I can't get on board with, uh, there is now no condemnation because all I feel is condemnation. So I may even need to, oh boy, now I got to start back at salvation. Yeah. Uh, do not pass go. It's shoots and ladders in my life yeah. here. Um, you, you need professional help, someone to parse out from a theology side, what is sin? And then from a counseling side, what to do with now that you know what is a sin? Um, the professional help, absolutely. It, no isolation. Don't isolate yourself. I once sat through an entire Sunday school class, life class, adult class of um, of someone of a teacher who led something along this. You know, the infamous: if the Nazis showed up at your door, that's where it started. You know, would you lie? Would you tell the truth? Um, but that led down to white lies and how that would play out. And that if you said you were going to be there at eight o'clock and you were there at eight o two, that was a lie. And that was a character flaw on your part. Well, if I'm having OCD and I'm sitting there in this class, that is going to put a weight, an incredible weight on my shoulders because 
now it's become a character issue. And, um, and a character issue is something that then makes me question my faith walk and, and that sort of thing with, again, with my kids, this is something that comes up real life scenario. I mean, just this week of, well, a, a few minutes after a statement coming back and saying, well, maybe it wasn't quite, I'll just use the 802 time. Maybe it wasn't quite 802. It might've been 803. And I just simply said, Hey, here, here's one way that if this is something that plugs your brain often about specifics, it's okay to add the word about. It was about eight o'clock. Okay. Because that is going to be something that is easy to throw in without having to go back and clarify and clarify and clarify when you actually don't no, I mean, can you really prove you were here at 802 versus 803? We don't know. And you can't give your brain that reassurance. So if you can just say, hey, you know, I got here about eight. And he was like, okay, I can do that. Well, too, because uh, we have other questions to get to. But this is such a good question. Um, I, I love this question. Um, but to kind of sum it up, there's different lenses that you should be looking at this through, uh, both professional and theology-based, all that good stuff. And then there's also a lot of different ways to go about moving through it. And some of that may require you to realize you're not alone in it. Don't isolate through it and seek professional help, both from your pastor and from a professional uh, licensed Christian counselor to walk through that. Because that that is a beautiful question of what scrupulosity is really all about. There is another question. And I want to get to this uh, because, again, there are people that want to do well in, in, in their Christian walk. In this one, they say, could you delve further into differentiating between a spiritual battle and scrupulosity or obsessions? Um, and I think it's such a good question because what do you do with, like, a spiritual attack or, you know, you feel that you're – uh, is this anxiety just a mental uh, issue or am I actually under attack? Uh, so a spiritual battle um, and slash, what does that mean in the context of scrupulosity slash obsessions? Um, throw that over to you, Ryan, first in differentiating between the two of those as you're on your your, your journey uh, with Christ. Yeah, that's a, a great question and a complex question, really. Because we, as human beings, at least from my perspective, are holistic. We're not divided and this only affects this one part of us. I think the place I want to start is by uh, something we've talked about before on the podcast, trying to avoid a spiritual bypass, which is where you assign a strictly spiritual solution to a non-strictly spiritual problem. So this is, I'll take a, a very different example. Let's say someone has, has cancer. So you look at that person and say, well, what sin did you commit that made you get cancer? Mm. Like, yeah, I've, I've heard that one multiple times. Or, well, you have cancer, so you just need to pray and ask, ask that this be taken out of you. Okay. Does God sometimes do that? Sure. About as, but not all the time. A lot of times, most of the time, he uses very... Um, very common ways of dealing with physical illness, like radiology or oncology, whatever it may be. So I want to bring that lens as we answer this question. We have to look at the the question holistically. Could there be spiritual components to a person's struggle? 
Well, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Yes, there is a spiritual world that has an effect on our real world. So we have to keep that into, into account. But let's not assume that everything that happens to us is only related to the spiritual world. The other piece is the physical lens. All right. Well, OCD has a very real world um it has real world evidence for how it shows up in the body. Uh, it affects in particular the, the vagus nerve. It sends impulses into our chest and to certain regions of our brain that say, all right, something's wrong. Something bad's going to happen. You need to be on alert. And that part of us informs our prefrontal cortex and says, all right, you need to start analyzing, look at it, figure out what's going on. Do it now, do it now. Something bad's going to happen. And then that gets stuck in a feedback loop and it creates this chaos inside of us that seems impossible to manage. Can the enemy of our souls capitalize on what's happening inside of our bodies? Yeah. Absolutely, he can. And so there is sometimes this intermingling, mm-hmm. but it would be short-sighted and unhelpful mm. to dis, you know, to only focus in on one aspect of that journey. Love that. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Yeah, as as I'm listening to you, you have this ability to. I feel like, and my metaphors are not always the greatest, but I feel like we're <laughs> running through the the pantry on our way to the counter, and we're gonna make a cupcake, and I'm grabbing the salt and the flour, and I'm like, let's go. And I love how you carefully walk through, and you're like, no, we're gonna need this, and we're making a cupcake, so let's think about that. We need all <laughs> these ingredients, and then here's the cupcake. Yeah, um, it's it's a full idea, and I always appreciate that. Amber, what, what would you say as you as you listen to Ryan there on this topic of differentiating that spiritual battle and what is maybe actually an obsession or scrupulosity? Yeah, I I think that it comes back to the need for certainty when you're in, mm-hmm. and it's not just with OCD, it tends to be in other mental health, um, I don't know, just I won't say disorders, but arenas where <laughs> we say, if I could have certainty that I hadn't sinned, if I could have certainty that God is close to me. Um, And so this incredible need for certainty, when we really don't always get that luxury. Um, There's a lot of times we don't get that luxury. Um, And and other times where we have to rest on the faith component, which is so hard to latch onto in this area of OCD. Um, because that's really the battle. The battle is, do we trust our minds? Do we trust, you know, what we've heard? Do we trust those around us? Do we trust God? Um, and, and that's not always just, again, that faith component of trust. That's a, I have lived this and I don't know. And, and you're just always that questioning that cycle that goes through your mind. I think that's a good point. And I, I think that's why, God knows us so well, and that's why in Scripture he's put so many places of certainty. I am with you always. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I, I, somewhere in, in John where he's like, I write to you so that you may know, you may know that you have eternal life. I can do all things through Christ. Like these mm-hmm. things that where it's, it's where we learn generalizations are always wrong, you know, yeah. an oxymoron, yeah. but generalizations 
actually in, in scripture where I am with you always, those things, when? Always, just all the time. It's certainty. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are things we can cling to, which is why we will talk in a moment about coping, ways that you can healthily, healthily? You can, in a healthy <laughs> manner, uh, cope with scrupulosity. But before we jump there, Amber, you touched on something that I want to get to before we talk about healthy ways to cope and unhealthy ways to cope. Um, the This topic of reassurance, because we mentioned here that there are ways in Scripture that God says, yes, you can have certainty in your faith. You are standing on a firm foundation, um, and you have helped get the very power, uh, the power of Christ is inside of you. So... Let's jump to that where you have reassurances, but let's go from the lens of why, why would reassuring, uh, and this is going to sound weird, but why is reassuring someone with scrupulosity actually a bad thing? And let me phrase it in this question. How can reassurances, even with good intentions, so we're closing the loop there, inadvertently, you have good intentions, but inadvertently reinforce obsessions, compulsions, um, any, any of those other things associated with scrupulosity, uh, some of which you've actually mentioned with your kids as, you know, like they're just looking for that reassurance. So they have certainty that they're on the right road. Yeah. Um, Ryan, I don't know if this is one that you want to start with, um, just from that more clinical standpoint, but well, Sometimes I, and this is not the clinical way of putting it, but sometimes I, I say that it's whenever we move into that role of always assuring someone else with OCD in particular, we become their dealer for okayness. Mm-hmm. In other words, they have to come to us every time they want to feel okay. Yeah. And that is unhealthy in many ways. One, it puts us in a position of power, which is really we shouldn't be in for one thing, but two... It um, it never really challenges the person to mm-hmm. learn how to address those symptoms of OCD on their own. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of enable uh, unintentionally and with the best of intentions uh, that are there, uh, you enable uh, the continuance of that cycle of safety-seeking behavior on the part of the person with OCD. So... I encourage people to do exactly what you mentioned earlier, Amber, which is to say, so is this OCD or is this a genuine question from the real you showing up? Yeah. And kind of putting it back in their court and having them wrestle with it. That is not abandonment. Yeah. That is not you being the bad guy. That is, and that is not you being frustrated with them either, which I didn't mention that earlier, but that is one of the dangers too. If you stay in the position of being that dealer for okayness, it'll it'll wear you out after a while, because OCD is a pretty uh, perpetual struggle, and uh, eventually those skills to manage it really need to be internalized by the person with the struggle. Yeah, I like it's been said like OCD will always bring up another what if. It's not a monster that can be appeased. The more we feed it, the more it grows. It really does. And I've, I've witnessed that. And, and also just for the parents out there who are listening in because you're desperate for some resource or some, um, just some, some help in this area with your kids. I just want to normalize the feeling that I have felt many times of feeling guilty. 
like mm-hmm. what Ryan just said about feeling like you're abandoning or because it is exhausting. My husband and I have had to walk away, you know, different times of like, okay, you take this one. This one's a little overwhelming for me right now because it can feel like we just want to shake that kid and say, you're fine. You know, like you can, but that that's our stuff, right? Your kid is in the middle of something that is very, very scary for them because it's very, very real to them. Um, And so this is an opportunity for you to take a deep breath, practice your own coping skills of um, identify why some of this triggers for me. Some of this has triggered even my own stuff of saying, um, oh, and she asks really intense questions about eternity. That brings up my own hell trauma. (laughs) So then that, you know, that becomes my stuff. Um, So I can hand that one off to Darren to take. But it felt at first when I would say, okay, well, you're going to be okay, but um, why don't you you know, and do the things that you just said about like, well, why don't you take a look at if it is this OCD? Um, she drew some pictures of like what OCD was in her mind. It That seemed to help make it something else like a, that was the yeah. monster. Um, and and it just felt like I it was it was I felt very guilty about that at first. So I think that was a really good word. Well, one thing I'm thinking as as you guys are talking here is. The, the frustration you feel and the, uh, we'll leave it at that, frustration that you feel as you, you step into their reality. Yeah. If, if you weren't actually caring and you weren't stepping into their reality, you wouldn't feel those things. And that's that in itself is a coping mechanism. If you truly don't have a functional adult self and you don't have tools to bring to the conversation, uh, yeah, don't step in there. <laughs> that's This is going to yeah. go south real quick, like yeah. uh, blind leading the blind, et cetera. Well, it brings up those to... feelings of helplessness. Sure. I, I yeah. cannot, in my own strength, in my own wisdom, I cannot change this for her or him. Well, and if you don't know how to swim, you're not the one that jumps into the pool. You go, you go ask yes. for help. So it may be your Good. time to go ask a professional to help. But back to the point, you step into their reality and you bring the tools of your functional adult mm-hmm. self that you have put in the time to learn. And you say, okay, yeah, this is what's going on. We're feeling this together. We are, we are. <laughs> if yeah. you ever have been through that, you you know, you start to feel the same things. So I, I think that's that's really awesome with that. I would say, I would throw this back to you, Amber, because you've been through a lot of, uh, you know, psychoeducation through your your um, your journey. So what, what role does psychoeducation play in helping individuals with scrupulosity kind of understand the negative impact of those reassurances um, and maybe how they're working towards reducing their reliance on them, um, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. I know for me, it can feel like, wow, um, here's just one more thing, right? Like I'm going to therapy and now there's this and like you're uncovering more things or now I'm aware of more things and I would love to go back to being blissfully ignorant even if I lived life as a titanium wall, right? But you don't. You don't want to go back to that. And what doing this journey blesses you with, there's a lot of cost, but the blessing of this is that you become aware, then you can notice, and then you can start putting these things in in their place. Like we're saying with OCD, we can start saying, okay, this is not, 
me needing one more camp meeting or one more YouTube sermon or, you know, where your journey is like, well, this isn't me needing another half hour of devotions or to put that mantra back on the post-it note so that I read it 32 and a half times every morning, you know, where you get half, you're going to have to, (laughs) what are you talking about? No, you know, it doesn't, you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't always make sense, but what it does is say, it gives you permission to name it for what it is. And then, um, and then to understand that there's help. And I think that's where the hope comes in, where you understand this is not up to me to fix by myself. I can bring this to someone who's not going to hit me with shock and awe like a friend might. Mm-hmm. Um, if I am saying, you know, this is something that is a repetitive stuck thought for me and I'm scared I'm going to do it. Well, there's some people that y- you're going to be scared to admit that that thought is in your head because even to yourself, it scares you so bad because it's shocking. And you think, people won't understand if I say this. I'll lose my job if I say this. There are safe places to do that. And that's what that's why we have these conversations. Um, it's not just about bringing awareness to an issue. It's about walking with you and saying, hey, look, you're not alone in this. There are people, very good Christian people that you would have a lot of confidence in that have walked this route found the help that they need and are living a life that where they are managing their OCD in a way that, um, that allows them to still not stay paralyzed, but to still feed in and use those experiences for the glory of God. And you can too. Just before we transition over to, to Ryan and talk about, I think I want to talk about the unhealthy coping mechanisms first and then move into some ways that you can deal with uh, uh, and thrive and function uh, if you identify you have scrupulosity in a healthy way. But I do think uh, on what you said there, Amber, I think that is one place where we as a uh, the, the body of Christ miss it sometimes is we attach weight to um, the, the confession of sin and bearing one another's burdens. And it's like, Okay, yeah, yeah we're going to bear each, uh, each other's burdens, but I wish you wouldn't have said that because now you can't be in this position, that position. You are taboo. Um, and that's a whole nother, a whole nother episode. Well, and along with that means. weight, there's, there's this idea of that having that intrusive thought is now, now I'm worried I'm going to do it, right? Mm. So once it's mm-hmm. in there, it's like, oh no, now I'm, I'm probably going to do that. And then you disqualify yourself from service because you're like, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I do harbor that secret, you know, this, that, or the other. And that, you know, I would, I would never want someone in leadership. Again, go back to list, just if we can step back long enough to hear the heart behind some of that, this is someone who genuinely wants to do right. So if you can hear that side, if you can be have self-compassion enough, and I, trust me, I know that's hard. My therapist is always, I'm paying good money to have self-compassion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but if you can hear that side and, and give yourself that kind of grace that says, this is, I am sincere in my seeking. Um, and just to give a couple of verses on that, but like that uncertainty that we feel, even in Mark, um, there is the the person that came and said, Lord, I believe, help mine unbelief, right? There is an opportunity for us to say, I am as sincere as I possibly can be, and yet I understand that there's more that I could do or more that I could say or more that I could try, and yet I've done what I know. 
So good. And with so let's let's shift. Let's shift a little bit. You talked about getting, uh, you know, paying good money to uh, have a counselor <laughs> uh, counsel you. Hey, Ryan, we want it for free. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ryan, uh, let, let's let's shift over to that because let's get some action items. Because and I I don't think for you listener, let me talk to you. I don't think these two episodes are going to be it for you. If you're like, man, this all resonates way too much. Um, And there's something wrong with me. Oh, there's the thought. Well, something's wrong with me. Something must be like, no, this is not, this is the first step of actually Mm -hmm. coming to, Hey, there's some people I can talk to um, and I can live a full abundant life that is full of spiritual freedom um, not a, a, a ticket to do anything I want, but spiritual, actual freedom in Christ. Yeah. Um, so Ryan, let's, let's give them a stepping stone, but first let's talk about what the, uh, the, uh, uh hindrances, those, those things, the barriers that may be up, uh, to getting to, um, healthy coping mechanisms. What are some of those unhealthy coping mechanisms that we may already be using, or if we listen to the wrong person, are some of those people doing reassurances? We've already heard that reassurance, constant reassurance, is just band-aids on a uh, a festering wound. It's not going to do anything for you. It may even make it worse because you're not dealing with anything. What are some of those uh, uh, unhealthy coping mechanisms we should be looking out for? So the examples of those could be endless but I'm going to pick two categories and maybe give some examples within that. So the first one is to lean in harder. So you strive harder. So you listen to what the compulsion says you have to do and you try and do it perfectly. But the problem is you can't do it perfectly. Or even if you get it all right this time, it's not going to work next time. And so you buy into the the lie that OCD tells you that if you just do x y or z if you just pray this prayer in this certain way or you repeat this phrase this many times or you confess this sin one more time to this person then you'll be okay and that's just not the way ocd works it's as you said earlier amber it's this this beast that will never be satisfied Mm -hmm. the other way is to kind of lean out where you just check out or numb out and this is where you dissociate from reality. And we, we dissociate sometimes sounds like a strong word to folks. It's we all do it. It's when you numb out on Netflix. It's when you numb out on Facebook and scrolling. Yeah, the death scroll. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> so the other unhealthy coping mechanism is you just check out of reality because it's too painful to be in reality. And in between those two is where we find healthy coping skills. Well, and that last one, uh, that one, that one has some things attached to it too. Cause the way you check out of reality, um, you know, some people will, will move towards isolation, some type, uh, some type of addiction, uh, yep. perhaps, uh, pornography, drugs, whatever it may be that gets you out of that feeling. Um, and I will say, as I hear you mention those things, those are going to work for a while. Mm-hmm. That's what makes them so enticing because they're they're readily accessible mm-hmm. and they work in the moment and you feel better. You feel like you have a, it's a step in a direction, um, but it's 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 not going to work for what you're wanting it to work for. So, yeah, it, it, it they will work. Yeah. And then you'll take two steps back. 
and then yeah. you're right back where you started. And when you have a fear of failure too, uh, accompanying scrupulosity, and you have yeah. that perfection, that's another cycle that's going to snowball on itself. Like, okay, I made that choice to do that. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and now I've sinned. Okay, you know, good grief. So, uh, Amber, do you have any observations on that before we jump into actual helpful? Because we, we're not uh, promoting these <laughs> items. <as> well. <laughs> well, and maybe a bit of a segue, but OCD, so much of OCD is that striving at yes. the heart of it, is that striving for peace. And again, if we go back, one of the, the original questions was from the book of Romans or cited the book of Romans. And if we go back to our Romans again to, to look at maybe an answer for that, but Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're at peace with God because of what Jesus has done for us, not because my feelings agree or disagree. And so at the end of the day, we have two choices. Um, We can either chase after a feeling of certainty in order to um, kind of appease these feelings and, and try to find a reassurance there, or we can choose to move forward through uncertainty. And no matter where you are in life, with those two choices, um, goodness, it's hard. It's just hard. So there isn't a formula that's like, if you do this, then you'll finally be able to breathe, right? Like you'll finally be able to just never deal with this again. It's not going to come up. You will have paid enough. You will have checked enough boxes. You will have prayed enough and it will be over. Um, this is something that tends to be something that we more learn to identify and manage and, and, um, and we can find hope in that though. I really want this. And, and that's where we're moving is there's actually a hopeful way to do this. Well, and as you're, uh, as you're going to listen to these, these next items, um, I, I, the thought comes to mind too, as, we're, this isn't going to be the only episode you listen to. There's got to be someone in your life that's safe that you go to and you start parsing out some of these questions. But I would say as you go to that person, whoever it may be that you trust and you ask the questions that are just laid out there, ask all the questions about theology because ask them. But if the response you get is one where it kind of pushes back on you and shames you for even asking the question, if what you feel after asking the question is not an acceptance of, hey, this is a good question and I know the answer. Or this is a good question and I don't know the answer, but let's find it out together. Or this is a good question and let's go to so-and-so who's better at uh, answering this. If instead the question you get, the answer you get is one of, well, what's your heart on that? Why are you asking that question? Where did this come from? And all of that is really putting it more back on you of like, no, get back in your shell, just I'm hitting you on the head. What are you doing? These questions make me feel uncomfortable. And I want you to not uh, go, go to the wrong side of the tracks here. So let's, let's no, don't ask the question. Yeah. Instead, if you're getting one of compassion and listening and yeah, the, let's ask the question or that's a question I've had myself. Let's go yeah. find it out together. Yeah. Um, can yeah, I speak ahead. to that for just a second? Yes, please. Cause this is something that as I came into uh, knowing that we were going to be recording this today, I really wanted to make sure and emphasize. I think the the person afflicted and struggling with OCD benefits best whenever the support system around them collaborates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 
I strongly encourage, if at all possible, there be communication between your mental health counselor and your pastor, for example. Mm -hmm. And this is a, a call to pastors. We desperately need pastors who understand what scrupulosity is, and so they right. know it when they see it. Mm. Because if you treat someone with scrupulosity just like you would that 85% who don't, then you're going to unintentionally do some harm. So we need pastors who know how to advocate for people with this mental health struggle and also can be uh, available to help mentor other pastors uh, mm -hmm. as well. Yes. So please, if you're a pastor hearing this, learn more about this so that you know it when you see it mm -hmm. and you can help other pastors know it when they see it as well. And if you're the one afflicted with OCD, please seek out some good professional help, someone who understands things like acceptance and commitment therapy or exposure response therapy. And then if it feels safe and appropriate, have that person collaborate with your pastor so that you can get the highest level of care that you deserve. Absolutely. And just to clarify, just for a moment, like how we talk about labeling OCD for what it is, that is... That is naming it for what it is, but it is not trying to attribute meaning. And I know Ryan would be mm. able to speak a little bit more to this, but I want to make sure we've differentiated those two. It is not um, attributing meaning to all of the things that we struggle with with the OCD. Does that make sense, Ryan, like to make that differentiation? Yeah, maybe I can give an example of that. So let's say someone with OCD... Uh, and this is a, a common one, are afraid that they have somehow blasphemed against God or they have committed the unpardonable sin. And so when you have that thought come into your head, to attribute meaning to it would be to entertain it, rationalize it, mm -hmm. try and assuage it in some way. You start looking through, all right, why is this there? Maybe this is there because I really did commit the unpardonable sin. Maybe this is God's way of trying to warn me. That's assigning meaning to it. Yes. What Amber is saying, which I agree with, is you say, you label it for what it is. Oh, that's OCD. I'm going to let that parade keep moving by. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah. And so under, understanding that OCD, scrupulosity as a subset of that can, you know, just, it can really mess up your ability to have meaningful relationships <laughs> And then one of the yeah. key ingredients of moving through scrupulosity is to have meaningful relationships. Uh, like it's like the, the, the beast knows exactly what's going to where it's uh, spots are, you know, on the game where it opens up and here's the attack spot. It knows what, what you need to get through it. And it's going to move you away from those things in, in a, in a way uh, that is devious and you don't even notice that you're moving towards isolation. You don't even notice it. So being mindful, listening, seeking out resources. So we have brought a whole bunch of people to the table here. We have, uh, we, we have pastors who are trying to learn a little bit more about this. We have, uh, friends who are like, Oh, so my reassurances aren't helpful. Okay. Well, I want to know helpful ways to move through it. And we have the people actually like, Hmm, scrupulosity, scrupulous, scrupulous, I can't even say it, but uh, okay, I think I might have it. Um, it. It does not define you, but we've given you permission to ask the questions with all these people at the table now wanting to learn more about how we can move through scrupulosity in a healthy way. Shooting it over to you, Ryan, what are some of these first steps as I'm starting a journey of like, ah, 
okay, this explains some of my behaviors, not who I am, but some of my behaviors out of some things. Um, how can I move through this, cope in a healthy way, and live uh, triumphantly over scrupulosity? Not to be redundant, but I think finding someone who understands scrupulosity that can help you make sense of it is probably a very important first step. So a, a licensed counselor, psychologist, someone, even a psychiatrist who maybe could look at the medication route and help have your brain quiet some of those mm-hmm. uh, some of those thoughts. A lot of folks, often a part of managing OCD involves medication in, in some way. So I would try and find someone. The second piece is kind of what Amber was mentioning earlier, putting a bit of daylight between who you are and the OCD. Because when it's undiagnosed and you don't know what's going on, these thoughts feel like they are you. Yeah, You can't differentiate between you and these thoughts that are plaguing you. So when you put a bit of distance, differentiation between, oh, I know the real me. I know who I am in God. I know that I'm loved by him. And I know that these thoughts are a reflection of what's going on inside of my brain and body. You can actually have more leverage when you're trying to figure out how to manage those compulsive uh, behaviors and thoughts more effectively. Mm -hmm. Uh, The third thing is there are some really good resources out there now. The uh, IOCDF uh, website has a lot of great materials, including unscrupulosity in particular. Uh, We can put some uh, lectures and and uh, worksheets, and I think there's even a course that I stumbled across around OCD and uh, scrupulosity in particular that uh, we can put in the show notes as well, so that you can do a little bit of a deeper dive there. And some of that has been shared to our Facebook community group, the Grace Story Community Group. Um, some of the information that I've drawn on for this conversation today is in a. Um, is in a link that I shared there yesterday. Uh, well, so as this comes out, it, you know, you may have to go down a little bit, but again, it, it's from the same, same sources. So um, take a look in our community group. That's a great place to ask questions as well. Um, and if, if something has come up today for you and you, and you want to throw that out there, it can be done anom- anonymously as well, even within the Grace Story Facebook community. Um and, and you'll probably realize there's a lot more people there that are willing to step up and be vulnerable enough to say, this is something I struggle with. This has been helpful to me um, and find, find some camaraderie for your journey here. But um, yeah, as we're looking at tools, staying in the present, not trying to ascribe that meaning to it. Um, one thing that is recommended, it says, my goal is to focus on doing the tasks that I need to be doing in the present, like studying, cooking, um, parenting my children, you know, putting them to bed and not trying to um, focus on the uncertainty, the what, what ifs, the put those, acknowledge, acknowledge them for what they are, and then um, practice. And this is where practice is, is something that's going to be your friend because it's, and give yourself grace to do it messy, but, um, but continue to practice and you may 
cave. You may give in. Um, you may not recognize OCD for what it is sometimes at first, but the more you can begin to to kind of notice when those things are the are triggered the most and um, be able to say, well, uh, you know, this is this is when I seem to have the most trouble with OCD. Begin to find when those things are. Am I under a lot of stress? Is my routine different? Um, is it when I'm around a certain group of people? Um, and so find out when when those things flare for your mind. And that's also another good start because that's information you get to take with you to that appointment and that professional and say, this is what I'm noticing. So hold it with curiosity. We say that all the time with Grace Story. Hold it with yeah. curiosity, not judgment. Uh, I will say within the context of this conversation on OCD, uh, practice makes progress, not perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does not make perfect. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. So, and understand too, as you're focusing on that present it's going to be really difficult, especially if your task is one that you want to avoid. Yeah. Um, you're going to find everything and anything that is out there to fill your mind, whether that's negative, positive, or whatever it may be. All of a sudden, you know, the house needs cleaned or like you're taking on that, uh, hanging that thing on the wall or, you know, up today is the day that I'm going to memorize scripture. You know, like all of a sudden you have all these other things that can take the place of what needs to happen in the present. Um I feel like we could keep going and keep going, but I want to do, I want to switch us over because we're right at almost an hour here um, and uh, talk about trying to focus on the present. Uh, hopefully you're doing a lot while you're listening to this episode, um, but I want to switch it over to final thoughts from, from both of you. Um, switch it over to you, Ryan, first. Any final thoughts? Not that we won't ever talk about scrupulosity in the future. There may be another episode, but this is really just the, the two episodes that we wanted to do on the topic of scrupulosity. Um, what, what final thoughts do you have on scrupulosity from uh, these episodes that we've done? Uh, episode 80 and this one here. Uh, a thought and a quick story. Thought being, for those of you that are parents especially, Think of a time whenever your kids were struggling and how you felt towards them. Did you feel compassion? My, my son was sick uh, this last weekend, and so he's throwing up. And I noticed in myself just deep compassion and empathy and wanting to uh, step in and help him feel better in some way. If we as humans feel that, towards our own kids. I think we get that, we mirror that in some way from a God who feels that way towards us. And so if you are, as a sufferer of OCD, feeling that God is disconnected from you, try and keep in mind that we have a God who is that deeply concerned about us. Quick story, uh, and actually another Stephen story, uh, he got a splinter in his finger a couple of weeks ago. And it was hurting him deeply. And so uh, Danny and I, my wife and I, had to uh, hold him down while one of us tried to dig out the splinter. And my heart is breaking for him as he is crying and flailing and trying desperately to not allow us to help him in this situation. And if you had asked him in that moment, what uh, <laughs> did he feel calm and at peace? And did he, was he resting assuredly in my love? No, <laughs> he, was, he was desperately flailing. Yeah. But my affection for him didn't shift at all. Yeah. My affection for him was steadfast. 
And so for those of you that maybe are wrestling particularly with scrupulosity around this whole idea of a God out there who you're not quite sure what he thinks about you, remember those moments that even when we may be struggling and flailing, we have this affliction, this splinter in our fingers, so to speak, God's affection for us doesn't shift and doesn't change and it's steadfast. Well, it, and that's a very scriptural uh, point to make as well. And if, you, if you're having trouble remembering sometimes uh, and you want to piggyback on someone uh, who does remember a bunch of times, go to Psalms. Go to Psalms and read through there because if you translated it to kind of just today's vernacular, it'd be like, man, I am in the pits and I have like a whole bunch of people after me and they're going, they're, they want to kill me, but I remember this time you delivered me. And I, oh, actually, now that I think of that time, I remember another time that you delivered me and you were right. Oh, and I remember that one time that you were with me actually and you, you comforted me. And so, like, okay, I'm realizing after thinking back through all the times you've been there for me, you're a refuge. And I can trust you simply based on your past behavior. And that's how we gauge any safe person, including the creator of the universe, based on their past track record. And I trust them now because I have uncertainty about the situation. But anyways, anyways, Amber, your final thoughts on on scrupulosity as we're moving towards the end here. We've talked a lot the last hour about how OCD is striving. And then in these last moments, how much God is our refuge. And for some listening to this, again, there's that I can see both of those, but I don't feel either one of those. Like like I feel the striving, but I don't feel the refuge. And when we're talking about first steps towards healing, no matter what it is that we're working through on our journey of restoration, really our God narrative is one of our first steps. How do we see God? What do we believe about his character? Um, Who do we believe him to be? And so no matter today, uh, the listener, no matter what you're working through, struggling through, I would encourage you to... um, to take a look at your God narrative and and ask some really good questions about that, some honest questions and give some honest answers around that. Because I know personally, I know what it feels like to have everything untethered from what feels good, true, holy, and unsure of what to grasp for truth. And in those moments, the thing that we have to go back to, the thing we have to go back to, guys, is getting back into scripture. And it can seem cold, sterile, boring, not speak to you, especially if you feel really distant from God. But open the word, ask him to speak to you, um, and, and then just hold on to some of those verses that we've talked about today in this podcast, where he is the God of peace. And even back to to end with this, but First Peter five ten, what grace story is founded on that God Himself, after you've suffered a little while, God Himself will restore you. So He is the God who is present. Um, there is often a lot of rubble that gets in the way. OCD likes to pile that on and um, and kind of create this stuff that gets in the way. But God is present, and He's there. He's He's there for you. 
All right, that is about all the time we have. I will say this to you as you're listening. Uh, if anything we've touched on today has you asking another question, even if it's about scrupulosity, Please send me your questions, Nate at GraceStoryMinistries.com. That's where a lot of our episode ideas come from because we want uh, you to be able to get the answers you need. If there's a topic uh, that you have been wanting to learn more about and you want to hear it talked about, um, go ahead and right now jump into your email app and just type a quick one one sentence. It doesn't matter what it is. uh, Nate at GraceStoryMinistries.com and we'll look at covering some of those topics for you in the future. Um, with with some some experts so um, that's all the time we have for today amber ryan thank you so much for coming on the show today thanks for having me thank you and for you the listener thank you so much for joining in and listening joining in this conversation uh, if you're listening on apple podcast uh, on that app go ahead and give us a follow tap a five-star rating and drop a review If you're listening on Spotify, go ahead and give us a follow there. Hit a notification bell and never miss an episode. Like I say every time, there is no us without you. So get engaged. Continue on your journey of restoration. We'll see you in two weeks for a new episode. And until then, we'll be praying for you.